Good afternoon in Eastern Washington, fellow Patriots. This is Matt Shea, and welcome to Patriot Radio, broadcasting live from deep inside the heart of the future Liberty State, brought to you once again by On Fire Ministries and the legacy of Dr. Stan Monteith, bringing you the story behind the story and the news behind the news. It's not about right or left. It's about right and wrong, about our hope not being a man, but in Jesus Christ, about not ending in prayer, but moving to action, about the gospel of the kingdom, Zechariah 2.5. God will be the glory in our midst, but he will also be a wall of fire to us on all sides. And especially in this time, it's important to understand that when we're under the blood of Jesus Christ, the judgment passes over us. Judgment is attached to evil. Evil is already cursed. So if we let the evil in, judgment comes in right behind it because it's attached. And as people have asked me, Matt, what's happening in the world? Well, that's going to bring us to Psalm 83 today. And I want to read this quickly because a lot of people have been saying, well, is this the Gog-Magog war? Well, the people groups listed as part of the Gog-Magog war in Ezekiel 38 and 39 don't match what's happening today. Now, before I get into this, I just want to say there's been a lot of fear out there a lot of people afraid because of what's happening in the world right now. Look, the United States has been the greatest force for good in the modern era. We have spread more missionaries, more funds, helped more people than any other country in the entire world. So as we talk about China today with our guest, Gordon Chang, and we talk about what's happening in the Middle East, it's very, very critical that we don't give in to any kind of spirit of fear but that we look forward that people are going to be driven to their knees searching for the Lord. And as Christians, we need to be ready to receive them. But also, this is a call right now for all of us to, to push back the darkness wherever it may rear its ugly head. And right now, there, there are some that are doing great doing great work here inside the United States of America. In fact, I'm going to get to that. And if you have not subscribed to our Telegram channel, please do that. Please subscribe to our Rumble channel. Make sure you hit like and share uh, and, and make sure your family and friends are getting this information. Um, we have a broad swath of open source intelligence that we draw from here. Extremely accurate. And uh, again, people are, you know, well, what does that mean? Well, we called the uh, invasion of Ukraine almost to the day, and that right after that, at some point in the future, would be Israel-Iran. And we're seeing some very disturbing signs today. I want to give you specifics, and I want you to pay attention to this. But again, that does not change necessarily, changes our prayers. We should be praying for Israel. We should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Amen. And in fact, we pray that now in Jesus' name. But it does not change what we're doing here on the ground and what we should be doing in America, and that is at the local level, beginning to investigate these terror networks, actual terror networks, not patriots, but jihadis, communists, and their proxies here in the United States Unit 910 from Iran, the special section from the Muslim Brotherhood, Jungle Tigers from China, for example. 
should be prosecuting, investigating at the local level, disrupting these networks at the local level, but also we should be preparing as Christians to help people in the coming crisis. And yes, that is where this is headed right now. Uh, I'm not afraid of that. God has given us brains, but he's also given us warnings. And we need to be ready not just to help ourselves and our family, but to help other people around us as well. Which brings us to Psalm 83. This is the scripture that I believe best matches the situation that we're in right now and is in alignment with 2nd Esdras, which is in the 1611 King James Version of the Bible. It is not canon. It is apocrypha, but it, both of them are very similar and I believe point closest to the time we're in. And it may not be, but this is the closest scripture. God, do not remain quiet. Do not remain silent. Whew. God, do not be still, for behold, your enemies make an uproar. And those who hate you have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, come and let's wipe out. He's talking about Israel here. Let's wipe them out as a nation so that the name of Israel will no longer be remembered. For they have conspired together with one mind to make a covenant against you. The tents of Edom, Moab, and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Assyria, has also joined them. They have become a help to the children of Lot Salah. Now, we're going to pull up a map right now. I want to explain this to you. Very quickly, so Travis, we can bring that map up. In the Middle East right now, those are exactly the nations. So Philistia, the Amalek, and there is an argument about the Hagrites, but just for the sake of what we're talking about right now, Amalek and Philistia, well, that Philistia is Gaza. Amalek is below that, down toward Jordan, so Edom, Moab, and Ammon, they're all a part of modern-day Jordan. We would call the West Bank there and the Ishmaelites in part of Saudi Arabia. And then you have Assyria, which is modern-day Syria. And then you have Gebal and Tyre, which are Lebanon. These are exactly the countries that are coming against Israel right now. Now, 2nd Esdras expands that to include Iraq and Iran. And it also expands to involve Turkey later, where it appears that Turkey, one of the, one of the dragon nations of Arabia— arises in the last time, declares the caliphate, and Iran attacks them because they've declared the caliphate, they're Sunni, the Turks are, and, and there's a fight there internally. So, but we're not going to get there today. What we're going to do is right now, these are the countries listed in Psalm 83 that are very clearly involved in this fight right now. And we're going to get to some very specific soon, but biblically, this is the closest scripture that matches the situation that we're talking about in the Middle East. And as our guest last time talked about, J. Michael Waller, it is already a regional war, already a regional war. Let's not mince words about this. This is already a regional war and it's going to continue to expand, at least in the near future. Okay. There's some implications to that. But that brings us now to your daily intelligence briefing. We're going to start on the globalist front. Oh, 
I, I don't know how many more of these we could do, but your smart home technology spies on you day and night coming to us from Technocracy News. Every electronic device in your home, from appliances and smart meters to doorbells, forms a personal internet of things. The primary vendors hover, or hoover, I should say, up data, exchange or sell it to others, and that is the expected outcome. So every major appliance in your house is equipped with a Wi-Fi circuit board, refrigerators, air conditioners, TVs, washers, dryers, and smart meters. Ring and Nest devices communicate with Wi-Fi. Smart assistants like your smartphone, Alexa, and Siri all use Wi-Fi. And since most of these devices are never upgraded with software or firmware, they are vulnerable to hackers. And we're going to get to an incident that has happened. It just came out, actually, was reported on today. So international researchers are issuing a dire warning of security and privacy concerns lurking within smart homes. As smart homes continue to evolve, they encompass a wide array of consumer-focused IoT, that's Internet of Things devices, including smartphones, smart TVs, virtual assistants, and CCT cameras. These devices can essentially create a pattern of life, and they use that pattern of life then to add to 4,000-plus data points on every single human being. They can then know you better than you know yourself, introduce stimulus to you, and get you to behave a certain way. That's the whole point behind it. You can look it up. It's called activity-based intelligence. It's been around for a long time. It's not been around for a long time. Is that they're trying to track every single movement that you make in your house, how much you eat of ice cream, then tie that to your medical records. So when you go into your doctor, your doctor's like, hey, Travis, how many pints of ice cream did you have last week? You need to cut down. This, this is just beyond creepy. And, and for the, the ignorant statement of, I have nothing to hide, you literally have no idea what is coming against you right now and don't be a part of the problem. All right, now that brings us to the China front. Indo-Pak News on Twitter. China says U.S. has no right to get involved in its problems with the Philippines and Taiwan and Japan. They're saying this with everybody. Now, our guest later is going to talk about this exact issue, what's happening. But in just the last two weeks, there have been uh, dramatic confrontations, ramming of boats, China is trying to usurp waters that do not belong to it. And the Philippines is standing firm. Now, when China says this, the U.S. has no right to get involved in its problems with the Philippines. There's one little problem, and that is the U.S.-Philippines Defense Treaty. The United States does not have the right to get involved in the problems between China and the Philippines. Well, the U.S., in fact, does have a treaty with the Philippines and because of those high-profile confrontations in the last few weeks, the U.S. is moving naval assets into the South China Sea. In addition to that, U.S. naval or U.S. air and naval bases that some have been dormant since World War II are being rebuilt in the Pacific. They're literally clearing off old runways on some of these islands in the Pacific and revamping U.S. air bases in anticipation of a war with China. Quote, the U.S. promise of defending the Philippines must not hurt China's sovereignty and maritime interests in the South China Sea, and it also must not enable and encourage the illegal claims of the Philippines, Mao said. You think they're listening to that? Well, no. U.S. Joe 
U.S. President Joe Biden said on Wednesday at the White House that America's commitment to the Philippines' defense remains ironclad, quote-unquote, after accusing China of acting dangerously and unlawfully in the South China Sea. Quote, any attack on Filipino aircraft, vessels, or armed forces will invoke our mutual defense treaty with the Philippines, Biden said in remarks during a joint meeting with Australia's prime minister and the Australians also are arming up and also discussing this along with the Japanese. And we're going to talk about the Japanese here in a little bit. All of this is a flashpoint. The likelihood of global war here, a World War III in the next three years, you heard three years, has increased over 50%. And it doesn't mean it's inevitable. It just means that we need an actual leader in the White House who knows what they are doing, who is coherent. We need leaders in the military who are not woke. Because wokeness is not going to defeat the Chinese. Warriors trained to win with the equipment to do so is what is going to defeat the Chinese. And if the jihadi and communist cells inside the United States right now are activated, there's going to need to be an increase and a return, actually, to civil defense networks like we had here 50 years ago, where every local community comes together to defend their community against terrorists across the country. Terrorists being clearly defined as jihadis and communists who are seeking to subvert the Constitution of the United States. And anyone who is seeking to subvert the Constitution of the United States. That brings us to the next post from Open Source Intelligence. Per a Reuters exclusive today, China is set to import record volumes of wheat this year, trading sources say, with rain damage to its crop. Now, that rain damage, uh, China has purchased 2 million metric tons of Australian wheat, booked 2.5 million metric tons from France, and overall, China's imports will end up around 12 million tons uh, according to traders, it looks like 20% of China's harvest this year was damaged by rains, and that percentage represents about 25 million tons of grain. Now, this is a perfect cover for China to stockpile food in the event of sanctions uh, and a move against Taiwan. So see it from both realms. Yes, they need to make up what they lost in crop damage, but also it gives them a great cover to stockpile for war. And that brings us to the Middle East front. Apart from the attack in the Gaza Strip to the north, the Israeli army has also launched a ground incursion across the south, just to the north of a wadi that splits Gaza in half. And it very clearly looks like the Israeli army, the IDF, is splitting Gaza in half. Um, if we could pull that map up really quick, it shows uh, the incursion right now uh, coming in from the north and also from the south. And if you can see Gaza City there, they're trying to surround and cut off Gaza City. This is why uh, in the next 24 hours, it is very likely that Hezbollah will declare war against Israel. I'm going to get to that here in a second. Uh, another ominous sign uh, came uh, earlier today. But this is why they know what's about to happen. Israel is going to move inch by inch, according to their military sources, inch by inch, destroying the tunnels, destroying the infrastructure, and removing 
Hamas uh, from any semblance of power uh, ever. They are going very clearly and methodically to destroy the northern part of Gaza and to remove any vestige of Hamas from that area. We're going to get to some specifics here in a second. But that brings us to Turkey. There are a couple countries to watch in the Middle East. Israel and Turkey. Now, I have talked about on the show, but for some of you that have, have missed this in the past, when Recep Erdogan last year declared the Hagia Sophia a mosque again. Now, backing up in history in 1917, the caliphate was defeated in World War I, and the caliphate was abolished in 1924. 1928, Hassan al-Banna started the Muslim Brotherhood to reestablish the caliphate. The Muslim Brotherhood is the overarching organization from which uh, ISIS, uh, Al-Qaeda, and many other organizations come from. But the, the, the sense is their whole purpose is to reestablish the caliphate. Well, in 1924, the Hagia Sophia, which originally was a Christian church, but in 1453, when the Great White Shining City, which is depicted in The Lord of the Rings, by the way, that's what it is, Uh, Tolkien was giving a history of Western civilization. That's for a different show. When that sack happened in 1453 and Constantinople was uh, overthrown in the the last vestiges of the Byzantine Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire fled to Russia. At that moment, the Hagia Sophia became a mosque. Then in 1924, when the caliphate was abolished, that mosque was turned into a museum so that the caliph could never be ordained again because the Hagia Sophia is the only place a caliph, the head of the caliphate, can be ordained. Well, coming up here, March 3rd, 2024, it'll be the 100th anniversary of the abolition of the caliphate. So when Recep Erdogan last year turned the Hagia Sophia back into a mosque, he was signaling that he may be the newest caliph. So with that background in place, Turkey's president says he is ready to face the new crusader crescent battle challenge the West. He vows to unleash his army in the darkness of the night. Well, interesting phrasing. Unnoticed, or I'm sorry, unannounced. He vows to unleash his army in the darkness of the night, unannounced. And a a huge crowd hails him as commander while calling for the deployment of Turkish troops to Gaza. Turkey's Erdogan says Hamas is not a terrorist organization and cancels a trip to Israel. And on the heels of that, Israel has announced that they are in the process of withdrawing all diplomatic officials in Turkey in order to allow for a reassessment of Turkish-Israeli relations. Here, Let me put this in very plain, simple terms. Erdogan is going to declare a new caliphate in some capacity. Iran, who is Shia, Turkey, which is Sunni, when he declares the caliphate, the implication in Islam is that everywhere in the world, immediately, everybody must be at war against the infidel, Christians and Jews and Hindus and Buddhists. Instantaneously, it's a call to war. So when you hear that, instantaneously, it's a call to war. The Shia in Iran were not going to let the Sunnis have the caliphate. So very likely there would be some kind of a conflict 
between Iran and Turkey at that point in time. And there have been wars between competing caliphates in the past. So what we're seeing right now, it looks like the lead up to that last time's rise of the caliphate for a short period of time that will be defeated, that is mentioned in 2nd Esdras. And that brings us to U.S. and Israeli officials have reportedly been discussing the future of the Gaza Strip following the end of the war and the destruction of Hamas with some options suggesting a multinational peacekeeping force. Listen to this, everybody including American and British troops to be installed to prevent further terrorist groups from coming to power in the Strip. Or Israeli annexing part of the Gaza Strip. This is why earlier today, and you can find this on our Telegram channel, earlier today, Yemen, the Houthis in Yemen have declared war against Israel. Coming out of Lebanon, so that's in the South, Yemen, Coming out of Lebanon in the north, tomorrow, Friday, which is uh, the uh, holy day during the week for Islam, Hassan Nasrallah at 3 p.m. local time is expected to give a speech having Hezbollah declare war against Israel. This is a developing situation, and the more information we get, as of right now, that is what has been said, and there have been some teasers being put out uh, by uh, Hezbollah and Hamas-affiliated social media platforms and Telegram channels. And now they have both been banned, Hamas and Hezbollah, from Twitter because it does look like Hezbollah is going to join the war. So Yemen, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, this is already... Ladies and gentlemen, a regional war in England and the United States are coming together as, an, as a group of allies. And it does look like the United States is being drawn into this regional war. There have been attacks, m even more attacks on U.S. bases in Syria and Iraq. More troops are landing. What we're looking for now is the creation of field hospitals. Well, some are being put in in northern Israel. One is being put in to the south of the Gaza Strip in Egypt. Things are pointing toward a regional war very, very soon. And again, objective analysis here. Israel's ground invasion continues, and I want to talk quickly about this. The northwestern section of Gaza is the primary focus right now. Aid continues to trickle in from Gaza and from Egypt, or into Gaza from Egypt, and civilians continue to move south. But it's not happening at a huge pace because the Egyptians are really blocking the amount of people coming south. So again, we're going to keep our eyes on this. Uh, but this just, it looks like Psalm 83 very clearly. So we're going to be watching for Lebanon to officially come in, Hezbollah, for Syria, or at least parts of Syria, uh, and forces from there to come in. Um, we've already seen uh, calls for mobilization in the West Bank among uh, Palestinians there. So 
this could happen in very quick succession over the weekend, and that's why I'm telling you all of it now. And that brings us to the Russia-Ukraine front. Per the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, it was obtained via a Freedom of Information request by Bloomberg, a Russian-speaking hacking group accessed the email addresses of at least 632,000 federal employees last summer. They exploited a popular file transfer tool called Move It. By the way, none of those are really secure. So like Dropbox, just let that hang there for a second. You gotta be careful when you put it in a cloud anywhere, it is vulnerable to hackers, even if they put security protocols in place. According to this from open source intelligence, uh, this hack compromised over 2,500 organizations and the impacted employees were at the Department of Justice and various parts of the uh, Defense Department, Air Force, Army, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, the Office of the Secretary of Defense, the Joint Staff and Defense Agencies and Field Activities. So there's already warfare coming against the United States. We've seen political warfare coming against the United States, according to the Maoist insurgency model. We're seeing cyber warfare coming against the United States, medical warfare coming against the United States, trade and economic warfare coming against the United States, financial warfare coming against the United States. At some point, is somebody going to say, hey, China is doing this, Russia is doing this against us, and we're going to go on the offense in the cyber realm? All right, that brings us to the national front. Coming to us from OSINT Defender, President of the United States Joe Biden has delivered a war powers notification. Everybody pay attention to this. Now, I believe we should abide by the Constitution. If we're going to go to war, there should be a declaration of war. So the Constitution says, or we issue a letter of mark or letter of reprisal. Mark is for Navy. Reprisal is for land. And it essentially gives a group of people the right to go in and as a, an agent of the United States, go against things. It's mainly what they, they did those things for were mainly terrorist organizations or the, the, the former equivalent of that in the 1700s anyways, the Barbary pirates. They, they would give them this to go after non-state entities. Now, the declaration of war, though, that was against a state entity. That's what the Constitution says, and we should be doing this. Now, the War Powers Act is really a subversion of the Constitution because it's trying to say, we're not going to declare war, but we're going to give you effectively the power to go to war without having a declaration. So President of the United States, Joe Biden, has delivered a war powers notification to Congress, notifying them of the recent airstrikes against Iranian-backed militias in eastern Syria in, on October 26th, following uh, drone and rocket attacks by militias against U.S. forces in Syria and Iraq, resulting in the death of an American contractor, as well as the injury of at least 30 American service members. Also, this letter further states that, quote, the United States stands ready to take further action as necessary and appropriate to address further threats or attacks, end quote. That sounds like prepping for war. Now, that brings us to Raw's alerts. A little ominous here. The United States has halted exports of most civilian firearms and ammunitions Ammunition for all non-governmental users for 90 days. Why would you halt? 
Exports, could it be we're trying to keep ammunition here for a potential war in the near future? Hmm. Could it be anticipation of World War III? I don't know. But that was pretty ominous to stop the exports of non-governmental users, firearms and ammunition. Now, every American, every American who is able-bodied and able-mind, who has not been thrown in for a felony, could be called up. Now, in most state constitutions, it's every, every able-bodied male between the ages of 18 to 45. Sometimes the ages differ, but that's typically what it says. Could be called up for civil defense in your local area. And it has been the tradition going back hundreds of years that everybody is armed so that they can defend against foreign incursions into the United States, invasion or domestic insurrection where you have cells from other countries come in. And the founding fathers understood this from, from French elements that were trying to come in to do that back then. So I want to just say that part of the reason for the right bear arms is to protect the homeland. So if we are good citizens, we should be armed. And we should have enough ammunition as well. This is why ammunition bans are ridiculous because it, it doesn't have anything to do with hunting. It has always had to do with defending the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now that brings us to the FBI director. <laughs> Coming to us from Epoch Times, FBI director warns Hamas could inspire terrorist attacks inside the United States. Is he prepping us for cells to be activated inside the United States? FBI Director Christopher Wray on Tuesday told members of Congress that Hamas, that the Hamas-Israel war could spark attacks on targets within the United States, saying the Palestinian terror group could inspire ISIS-like threats. Quote, the actions of Hamas and its allies will serve as an inspiration, the likes of which we haven't seen since ISIS launched its so-called caliphate several years ago. And he basically says, in very carefully worded, you know, in this way, that they could be the greatest threat of this type. Because he doesn't want to go back on what Joe Biden said of that MAGA Republicans are the greatest threat to the United States. When they're not, he can't bring himself to say that jihadi terrorist attacks, communist terrorist attacks inside the United States of America is the greatest threat to the country. Couldn't say that. It's ridiculous. That brings us lastly to two more articles. Western Journal, Kerry Lake, don't be surprised when Biden is replaced. Pretty obvious if you're watching Arizona's Republican firebrand, Kerry Lake, is saying that it seems pretty obvious to anyone paying attention that the Democrat Party has nefarious plans to dump President Joe Biden at the last second for the coming 2024 election cycle and replace him with who they seem to think is a ringer candidate. I don't know, Gavin Newsom of California? Hmm, interesting. 
And that brings us lastly to World Net Daily. General Michael Flynn, Congress members compromised by sleeping with children. These are real things, says the former DIA chief. And I'm just going to leave that right there. And that is your daily intelligence briefing coming up tonight at On Fire Ministries, 6 p.m. Reformation Day. We are going to be having a great celebration here as well. Tomorrow night, we are going to be screening the movie Into the Light about fifth generation warfare. I uh, don't want to miss that. General Flynn uh, is in that documentary as well and how social media is being used to manipulate. We also, here at On Fire Ministries, are going to be having Jenny Donnelly of Her Voice here this weekend, Saturday, 6 p.m. here at On Fire Ministries, and then the following morning, Sunday, 10 p.m., or 10 a.m., excuse me. I look forward to seeing you all there. Now, remember, share this with your friends and family. And now to our guest. Our guest today is Gordon Chang, the author of The Great U.S.-China Tech War and Losing South Korea. Booklets released by Encounter Books. His previous books are Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, and The Coming Collapse of China, both from Random House. And thank you again for everything that you're doing. We've been waiting a long time to have you on today. And I guess I want to just jump right in and first start with what's happening in the South China Sea right now. In China, there is a real push to come against the United States, but first they're going after their regional neighbors. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that China and the Philippines are on a collision course. You had Chinese vessels ram two Philippine boats. And then uh, the U.S. sends B-52s over the South China Sea as a deterrence message. And on Tuesday, the 24th, um, we have a Chinese fighter come within 10 feet of one of the B-52s. On Wednesday, uh, you have President Biden in his initial remarks to the White House when he's welcoming the Australian prime minister, actually says the United States is prepared to use force against China to protect our ally, the Philippines, because we have a mutual defense treaty. So we have had these warnings before from the State Department that we are willing to use force. But really, they've been to no avail because the Chinese have just ignored them and escalated the situation. So I'm concerned that we are failing to deter China. And if that's indeed the case, then war is probable. So there have been a lot of predictions on this 2025 uh, or later. I, I personally think it actually might be sooner than that. What, what are you seeing in that vein? Are they actually moving up the timetable? They could very well be moving up the timetable. You know, timetables are really impossible to predict with certainty, but there's a few things we know. We know that Xi Jinping constantly talks about war. We know that the Chinese military is preparing to fight one. They are sanction-proofing the regime. They're stockpiling commodities. They're surveying the U.S. for nuclear weapon strikes. They are mobilizing China's civilians for war, and they're working closely with their proxies, Russia and Iran, to cause trouble around the world. So this doesn't look good. That's not to say that they definitely will go to war, but it certainly looks that way. Well, recently they had these exercises that they conducted, and again, using roll-on and roll-off ferries as one of the, the primary ways to invade Taiwan. At least that's very clearly what they're appearing to do. And this 
just from a military perspective, as a, as a, a man who served in the U.S. Army, it looked like a military certification exercise to say, OK, they are ready to, in fact, invade. Uh, if you could comment a little bit about that and what you're also seeing as far as Japan's reaction. Yeah, well, certainly China is preparing to invade Taiwan, and it's the roll-on, roll-off exercises you mentioned. We also see these increasing air provocations, uh, Chinese jets and bombers circling around Taiwan, as well as Chinese vessels doing the same thing. Um, so clearly, this is something that they are getting ready to do. And actually, the Eastern Theater Command of the People's Liberation Army, which is the command that would coordinate the invasion of Taiwan, um, in April said it was ready to fight, quote unquote. So we know that that's the direction they're going. You know, people can argue about whether they're bluffing or not, but the point is they're getting themselves ready to do so. And they can bring a lot of force to bear, much more in the way than we can. So this is bad. You know, with regard to Japan, Japan understands that if there is a war um, against Taiwan, that Japan will be involved. And the very simple reason, and that is for, for China to have a successful invasion of Taiwan, they have to establish a blockade. For that blockade to be successful, it almost certainly has to include sovereign Japanese territory, especially the island of Yanagumi, which is 58 nautical miles east of the main island of Taiwan. So Japan knows that um, it is, will be involved. And, and indeed, Chinese doctrine is to hit um, Japanese bases as well as American bases on the first day of a war. And we see a, a militarization happening pretty dramatically, Guam, and then there's other bases that are now being set up. In fact, old U.S. Army and uh, U.S. Air bases uh, in the islands out there in the Pacific being refurbished, runways being cleared. Uh, we see bases being set up in the Philippines. The Japanese are arming up. Everybody seems to think that this war is inevitable with the Chinese is it really? I mean, is there economy playing into this as well that maybe the communist Chinese don't want to lose power, so they're going to go to war to preserve their power instead of let their economy collapse? I, I tend to see Chinese weakness as giving Xi Jinping more incentive to go out and invade some neighbor. And the reason is that Xi Jinping is only making the economy worse. He's centralizing control He's imposing totalitarian measures on the Chinese people. Uh, he's closing China off from the world. And we know from um, history uh, that that never works. So I think that Xi Jinping is going to get to a point in the not too distant future, if he's not there already, believing that his only way to save the Communist Party is to stoke nationalism. Now, Pastor Matt, nothing is inevitable in geopolitics, um, but this really looks um, more and more certain as time progresses, because China's moving in very dangerous directions. Xi, Xi Jinping has incentives to be reckless, and he can take us by surprise. And that that's a great segue into North Korea. Do you think they're going to be the tripwire? Do you think China will use them as a tripwire? I tend to think that uh, China moves first and then North Korea, um, realizing that the U.S. is distracted, uh, sees an opportunity to attack the South. And it's not just the North Koreans. Uh, so, for instance, the Russians could move against the J Japanese northern islands to take even more of them, the Kuriles. Um, and so uh, this is it basically the region goes to war um, because bad actors are going to take advantage of the situation. 
So with the United States right now, uh, the regime in Washington, D.C. has been underwhelming, and that's putting it nicely. What should we be doing right now to address this Chinese threat? And also the whole idea that, that the Chinese have not been mincing words about this. They put out a book, Unrestricted Warfare, and said everything's going to be a battlefield and we're coming for you. What should we be doing? There are so many things that we should be doing. So, for instance, at the southern border, we should be closing it off because we know across that border there are um, Chinese males of military age traveling without family members, pretending not to speak English. U.S. Border Patrol knows that some of them are Chinese military. We've been catching some uh, terrorists uh, who are on the watch list, but I'm sure that many others are the you know included in the getaways. Um, so. Uh, we have real problems there. So that's one thing. Uh, and, and, and just to put one other point on it, um, you know, this spring, a building inspector in Reedley, California, stumbled across a secret Chinese biological weapons lab, right. had uh, at least 20 pathogens, almost a thousand mice that have been genetically engineered to spread disease. I'm worried that the saboteurs will link up with facilities like that across the U.S. because I'm sure that's not the only such Chinese facility that is in our country. So that's one thing. But second of all, we need to cut trade and investment and technical cooperation because we should not be strengthening a regime that is preparing to go to war against us. We need the president to move uh, decisively against Chinese proxies. Um, so, for instance, China's fighting a proxy war in Ukraine. I mean, they don't think of it as Russia versus Ukraine. They think of it as China versus the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I think they believe that's the same thing for what's going on in Israel right now, because China's been supporting Iran. Iran maintains those proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthi militia. So really what China is doing is testing us across the world. And it's not just those two places. You have Russia and China fueling insurgencies in North Africa that look like wars. So the world is, they're torching the world. China is an arsonist, and we better stop, uh, start uh, making sure that their proxies, put, we put them away, because by doing that, we can basically end the myth of Chinese invulnerability, and we start isolating China. So that brings us to Israel and Hamas. Clearly, this is much bigger than Israel and Hamas. What is China's role in that, number one? And number two, how do you see this playing out? Is it going to be a regional war? Well, first of all, China has been purchasing more and more oil um, from Iran, which is under American sanctions, by the way. They continue to do it anyway because Biden's not enforcing our sanctions. Also, you had that 25-year, uh, $400 billion comprehensive partnership agreement that China and Iran inked up a couple years ago. We had the Iranian president in Beijing three or four weeks ago signing up 20 agreements and memoranda of understanding. So China is fully supporting um, Iran. And Chinese weapons are starting to show up in the battlefield. Um, the Houthis have them. Houthis have joined the war against Israel about a week or so ago. Um, North Korean weapons are in the hands of Hamas. That couldn't happen without China's say-so. And even Chinese weapons are, are showing up in the hands of Hamas fighters. Um, not many, but some of them are. And so um, China's role is pretty deep. You know, how this plays out, um, I, I think it does become a wider war um, because we're seeing it's not just Hamas. It, you have Hezbollah shelling Israel. 
Uh, you have the Houthis launching missiles and drones against the Israelis. So this has a real potential for spinning out of control. And then the Chinese potentially taking advantage of that. Absolutely. I mean, that's the reason why they're doing this. Um, they believe that the Biden administration doesn't have the will to oppose them. They're trying to um, destabilize the world, which is what they started to do in Ukraine when they greenlighted the invasion. Um, that was uh, their comprehensive agreement, that no limits partnership that was signed 20 days before Russia invaded Ukraine. So clearly Beijing wants to create chaos. This goes back to Maoist policies. Mm. Mao believed that chaos would lead to worldwide Chinese rule. Xi Jinping reveres Mao. I think that we're just seeing a replay of Maoist uh, foreign policy. Well, let's let's get back to the United States then and, and Maoist insurgency model here in the United States and what we're seeing with political warfare, what we're seeing with the United Front. Just, I mean, we can see it even in Congress. I mean, it's personified quite literally by the squad in Congress. Are there Chinese cells inside the United States of America, uh, jungle tigers or, or, or maybe intelligence cells? And what's the likelihood of that actually being true? Uh, about 99.9999999% um, first of all we have these uh, mentioned these males coming across our southern border um, and and they certainly look like saboteurs um, and now um, Cuba is infiltrating them through the Florida Keys um, we just intercepted some uh, about three or four days ago so um, the Chinese consulates have been um, the, the four that remain have actually been centers for this. Um, you know, we got Chinese state banks. You got the nine or so police stations that remain on our soil. The Chinese police stations. You got the state enterprises. So yeah, I, I think that um, virtual certainty that there are Chinese cells operating and just waiting to strike. Just waiting to strike, just for any moment. And I mean, that could be any day, literally. Absolutely any day. We know that the Iranians have, you know, the Iranian president at the UN General Assembly threatened um, war on the United States if um, the war in the, in the Mideast were to expand, which it has since he spoke. So um, I, I'm sure that Iranian operatives are going to work. And by the way, you know, as part of that uh, deal, hostages, $6 billion that was mm -hmm. announced on 9-11 of this year, um, Biden actually granted clemency to Iranian operatives. And then instead of sending them back to Iran, um, he released them into the United States, um, which is to me incomprehensible because we have um, these Iranian operatives coming through our southern border. So um, the, the handwriting is very clear what's going to happen. Well, and then that brings up the issue of political warfare. How deeply penetrated is the United States government by Chinese intelligence? I think that it's penetrated. Um, certainly the business community and financial communities are. Um, and we know that, um, you know, China um, operates in a number of different ways. It doesn't actually have to own a member of Congress. It can actually just blackmail them. Um, which is a uh, real concern about Hunter Biden. You know, Hunter Biden poses two threats to us. First of all, there's the issue of just out and out bribery. 
I've never been too worried about that because money always leaves a trail. And we'll get to the bottom of that. But the one thing that doesn't leave a trail necessarily is extortion. Hunter Biden was on Chinese soil at a time when he was troubled. I'm sure the Ministry of State Security has video and um, audio recordings of troubling behavior, which they could use against the dad, the president of the United States. So I have to worry about Biden, actually, the president being blackmailed by China. Um, but it's, it's more than just that. Um, you know, you can run through. China has worked uh, very, very carefully and with a lot of money, a lot of resources to penetrate the U.S. You know, you got Eric Swalwell. You know, I don't know whether Swalwell was blackmailed or not, but the one thing I can tell you is China first contacted Swalwell, not when he was on the House Intelligence Committee, which he would be of great value to them. He was first contacted when he was on the city council in Dublin City, California. Wow. Now, he can't be the only person that China has contacted. So there's got to be hundreds, if not thousands of Swalwells in our country. That's incredible to think about that, that they're they're that far ahead generationally to see somebody that's an up and coming star and get them way ahead of time. That That's we're so far behind the curve. Yeah, the, the thing about Swalwell is, I mean, there is it's no sin to be, um, tr you know, to have Chinese Ministry of State Security try to blackmail you. If, if that were the case, then we would have nobody in Congress. The point about Swalwell, though, is that he's not willing to talk about it. I mean, if Swalwell was to come out and say, yeah, you know, um, you know, she, Christine Fong was, you know, apparently Chinese agent, but, you know, I ditched her when the FBI told me. No, Swalwell's not saying anything about that, which really makes me worried that he's got something to hide. Well, it makes, I think, all of us worried that he's got something to hide. There, there's no reason for that kind of behavior. And I, it, 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 really brings up the question about United States counterintelligence. It used to be that there were real vetting processes behind security clearances. And if you're on the intelligence committee, what was that process? That would be the question I would ask. Yeah, the thing about the FBI is that it is just overwhelmed. I mean, we can talk about the political directives of the Biden administration, for instance, ending the China initiative. But putting that aside for the moment, the FBI is just completely overwhelmed by China's attempts to penetrate the United States. We don't have the resources in our own country to deal with this because um, China has been working to turn a lot of people. Um, and, you know, people may not knowingly be, know that they're being turned, um, but this is just, it's just persuasive from the top to the bottom of the American political system, our uh, universities and schools, um, our, you know, financial institutions. It's just everywhere. Well, let's talk about our universities and the Confucius Institute and others. How, how is this working in our universities? And has anything been done to stem the tide of potential Chinese agents coming in under the university system? Yeah, there were about 118, 120 Confucius Institutes at high tide. Now there are about 10. Um, but we haven't really made that much progress because a lot of these CIs, as they're called, have actually just rebranded under different names. And so 
China has been able to sort of survive um, our attempts to end the Confucius Institutes, but there's still some of them. And the thing that worries me is um, more than that are the Confucius classrooms, which are in our secondary school. Um, there are at least 134 school districts with Confucius classrooms. Some people put the number of Confucius classrooms at 500. Um, this is just, this is even worse because you're, we're talking about kids at a much more um, impressionable age. Right. And, and also just the access that comes through university research and all of these other things that they have used as cover. Which I guess brings us to uh, Chinese embassies inside the United States. There's been a lot written about some of these secret police stations here inside the U.S. What's the truth? What's fiction? And for especially local governments, counties and cities, what can they be doing to combat this? Um, first of all, um, the one thing they shouldn't be doing is encouraging Chinese investment. Um, because with Chinese companies come the infrastructure to commit espionage or even sabotage against us. Um, and, and that just is, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of that, for instance, with this battery plant in Michigan. Um, with regard to the Chinese police stations, the FBI closed down one, which was in Chinatown in New York in East Broadway. Um, but reporting from the Daily Caller suggests that there's either be seven or nine remaining Chinese police stations spread across the entire U.S. And the cities, uh, the Daily Caller named those cities. So um, that's just across the U.S. Um, and, and those are the ones that we know about. Um, obviously, they're going to be much more um, because China is not revealing what it assets and what infrastructure has in place. But we know that uh, from all we can tell that that infrastructure is extensive. And we know that the FBI is not moving against this because those seven to nine police stations, they're still operating, Pastor Matt. Still, after everything written about still. Them. Yeah, I mean, and the Daily Caller actually wrote about this three, four months ago. Um, so this is not something which is just brand new. This has been known for quite some time. And if the Daily Caller knows about it, the FBI certainly had to know about it. So um, we got a political problem here. We do. It's a problem of will. So kind of the last place I wanted to go here is as Christians, what should we be doing in this time? What can maybe even local governments or, or local officials that we know we can talk to, what should they be doing in this time? Well, you know, let's go back to that uh, Biolab at Reedley, California. The reason why we know about that is because a building inspector was just observing. He noticed a hose that was connected to a building that was supposed to be abandoned, and so therefore started that investigation, which led to the discovery of the secret Chinese biolab. So we, you know, the what we can do is just be observant and notice what's going on. Um, you know, as as they said on you know after 9/11. If you see something, say something. But, you know, as Christians, you know, we are organized. We've got churches, um, and that's a line of defense. And, of course, we should always pray. Amen. We need to be praying more and more every day. Absolutely. Now, yes. give you an opportunity right now, if people want to find your books, they want to find out more about you and the articles that you've written, where can they go? 
Well, I archive all my articles for free at my website, which is www.gordonchang.com, G-O-R-D-O-N-C-H-A-N-G.com. And also, um, I tweet about this stuff, so they can just, uh, well, you know, X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's where you're just most up to date. Um, and right now, things are changing so fast that sort of books and articles even have become sort of obsolete. But um, it's all available um, because I want people to read it. So it is all without charge. And I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to, to just say a message to the next generation, because I think sometimes they don't take these threats very seriously or they don't see things through the lens of history, um, especially regarding Taiwan. What would your message be to that next generation? Yeah, well, to the next generation and to, you know, us older folks, um, we've lived in a peaceful world, um, but that world is certainly coming to an end. And we have to contemplate a future which is incomprehensible to us now, um, because we can see bad actors, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Algeria, moving against uh, peaceful and free societies. So we shouldn't take anything for granted. Um, because we're going to be living in a very different and a much less favorable world than we have enjoyed up to now. Amen. Gordon Chang, thanks so much for joining me today on Patriot Radio. God bless you. We really appreciate you. We're going to be praying for you and keep up the fight. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Matt. And yes, we will pray and we will prevail because we're Americans. But this is going to be really awful before it gets better. Amen. Gordon Chang, the author of the great U.S.-China tech war and losing South Korea booklets released by Encounter Books. His previous books are Nuclear Showdown, North Korea Takes on the World, and The Coming Collapse of China, both from Random House. And if you do not follow him, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter and GordonChang.com. I want to take a couple moments very quickly and give you some updates on what's coming here at On Fire Ministries in Spokane tonight. October 31st, 6 p.m., we're going to be screening the movie Letter to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. He has the brand new documentary. Look forward to seeing you all there. We're going to celebrate Reformation Day. That's what we like to celebrate every year on October 31st. Also, coming up tomorrow night, November 1st, 6 p.m., right here at On Fire Ministries, we're going to be screening the movie Into the Light. General Flynn and several others talking about fifth generation warfare and its effect through social media on the next generation. You're not going to want to miss these. We look forward to seeing you then. This is Matt Shea. Thank you for joining me on Patriot Radio today. May God bless all of you. And he is making this generation the greatest one. The awakening is here. Keep up the fight. 